Live from Tully's. Two seconds to go. McNamara. It's gone! This is... Jerry Mack drops one on G-Town! Wait a minute. The Jerry McNamara Show. Good to be back here at Tully's on Erie Boulevard for the Jerry McNamara Show. Coming up before a couple of ACC games here in the Dome. And then, of course, the trip next week down to Duke. Jerry, Happy New Year. Welcome back. Same to you. It's been a while. It's quite, been, a, quite a while, actually. It's been a, a lot yeah. has happened since the last time we sat down. Uh, it feels like a lot has gone on. We'll, we will dive into all of this. Uh, I do want to start out by saying we are, we are doing a new contest today. Uh, it is not a trivia contest tonight. We are looking for somebody to play Papa Shot against Jerry uh, for a pair of tickets to an SU basketball game coming up. Uh, we're, we're hoping that it's, it's going to be a kid to come up and play Jerry. So if you're here with, with a kid particularly, come up. Um, but if not, uh, we'll, we'll find somebody. We're playing Papa Shot for a pair of tickets uh, to an upcoming SU basketball game. So let us know, and we'll, uh, we'll do a drawing later on in the, uh, in the hour. Uh, but, Jerry, I, I do want to dive into what's happened the last couple of games. And I want to go back to St. Bonaventure first before we, we talk about that game at Notre Dame. Because Tyus Battle's performance in that game was really remarkable and, and missing just one shot of free throw. When you see somebody in a zone like that, I mean, what are you thinking? See, seeing somebody play at, at that kind of efficiency and at that kind of level. I'm just upset he missed a free throw. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's <laughs> absurd. Um, you know, he's, he's just been, he's, he's been so focused uh, you know, I think coming into the season, obviously everyone kind of anticipated Tyus leaving, and then you know we get the great news that he's coming back. And um, once once the academic schedule ended, which was the week of Old Dominion, um, once that ended, it, it seemed like everybody just kind of <laughs> went to a different level. You know, I, the the focus, the intensity, and Ty's always been that guy. Um, you know, but the last. The last few weeks, particularly, I, he's just gone and, and taken it to a different. He's just played really intelligently. He's played really intelligently the last few weeks. You know, it, it's difficult, regardless of the caliber of shot you're getting, to to make every field goal attempt. And uh, it's not by accident. You know, we we you and I have talked about this a num- number of times. Is how hard these guys work and how much time they put into their craft and. You know, he, a lot was made of the shoes that he w- wore that said chasing perfection. Uh, Ty's one of those guys. He, you know, he wants to be special. He wants to be great. Um, but he's 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 taken such high-quality shots. He, he, he's difficult to read when he has an open jump shot and you're closing a gap on him from six feet and he shows the ball fake and now he, you're at his mercy. He could either still pull up for a three or now he can go by it. He could pull up from 17 or he could freeze and go by and get to the rim and or he can get to six to eight feet and, and you know go off two feet and step through and get fouled or go off two feet and hit his floater. So the fact that he's kind of mixed everything in, I don't think he took a three-point field goal actually in that St. Bonaventure game if I'm correct. Right. And um, he's, he's just been... He's been really intelligent about how he's approached, how he's attacked. But I think, I think because he's had help, you know, on the offensive end over those those few games, I, I think that's probably increased the intelligence level because now you know you don't have to take that really difficult shot. The only difficult shot he took in the Notre Dame game was late when we were trying to waste a little bit of clock and burn it. Um, and and he and Frank came up with I thought two big shots, you know, 
shots that we asked them to take a lot of last year, so they're used to them. So uh, the fact that we've had you know some other guys offensively step up and kind of take the the load off him a little bit, but um, you know you talk about his field goal percentage, how much he's raised it. Um, you know, and, and I think his IQ, I think it speaks volumes when you talk about what he's done from an assist to turnover ratio compared to last year. Um, he's just in a different place. He's playing at a different level, and um, the guy continues to get better and better. It's why we all love him. Yeah, I think that everybody would point straight to the shooting percentage and, and the increases there. But what what's the biggest difference that you're seeing with him given this extra year and having him come back? I think the game has just slowed down for him. It, it, if you were to ask me, even when I came in, what was the biggest adjustment? It was speed. Um, you know, you got ask a guy like Buddy Beheim and Jalen Carey, uh, Robert Braswell, uh, freshman. What, what's the biggest adjustment? They're going to tell you how fast it goes at you. And um, you know, even though Ty is, uh, you know, top one percent athlete and he's as fast as anybody out there, it's still the speed of the game. You know, you're so used to going by somebody so effortlessly at the high school level well now you get to the college level and that same 100 mile an hour speed might not work you might have to take him down to 75 before you go 100 again and um, his change of speed you know he he was a guy that uh, was a one foot you know flying around uh, you know difficult high high degree of difficulty shot um, and he's just slowed down a little bit he could still get to where he wants to go now he's getting there a little bit more under control uh, but that comes with experience, um, comes with the minutes played, uh, comes with watching film. He's a big film guy. Um, so it's, it comes with preparation. I mean, the, the guy's put in the work to get to where he is, and I think the speed has slowed down for him a little bit. And uh, now he's kind of just picking you apart and taking what he has. And now that he has one or two more offensive pieces around him, he knows he can afford to do that. And, um, you know, he's been, been incredibly intelligent, incredibly efficient over the last few weeks. You know, the the other individual performance I really wanted to ask you about before we get into some of the things that happened in that Notre Dame game a little more specifically but Elijah Hughes and what he did in that Notre Dame game he puts up 22 points gets 10 rebounds and and it seems like he, that that was you know what what everybody had hoped for you know the high ends of, of what people had hoped for uh you know bring him in at least what fans were thinking what well, where does that match up to what you had thought of him watching him the last year and and what have you seen in in his growth throughout his you know half a season here playing well i thought there was a stretch well to answer your initial question yeah it's that's kind of what we it's why we were so excited about him um and he's done that i thought even though the ohio state game i mean to go on the road and he's been there now in a couple road games for us um but i still feel like there's a different you know a lot he's one of those kids i just you know there's something else it's like with ty you know you, you know how special they are so you, you're always trying to push them to crave more you know there's still more you can give and uh, the, the one thing that uh, you know early on in the last month we've kind of preached to elijah was the fact that you know you can impact the, the game in different areas other than the the three-point line um you know we felt like there was a little bit of a settle you know offensively for him that he was taking probably too many threes you know there were still some things that we felt with his you know I, I i covered it with him the one day in a meeting he and i had about how many free throw attempts he had taken compared to tyus i said is ty stronger than you he said, no Tyus, <laughs> no he's not stronger than me and i said well all right well is he that much better of a ball handler? Is, is he is he smarter is he you know just you know poking, poking him, him a little every bit, chance yeah. i got you know so it was my point of being well you know 
T's doing these things, you could do these things as well. So now you add in the fact that you're you're obviously a scorer from 22 feet, and his range is unlimited. He's so strong. Um, but you could score from the perimeter. Now let's mix it up a little bit. You can get to the free throw line five, five, six times a game. So, um, but the biggest thing of all that is is what a you know, it's not always going to be easy, especially depending on what you're going to face as far as opponent. We know Clemson, you know who we're going to face tomorrow night is, is a really good opponent. They're going to pack the paint. It's going to be more difficult to get in there and and touch the paint. Um, you know, but the thing that I'm really happy about, I thought there was a stretch in practice yesterday where, you know, I, I told Coach Autry, I said, did you see Elijah? for the last 10 minutes he didn't stop he didn't stop moving it was penetrate and kick and then he got out he got it it was a wide open three and he shot it then it was penetrate and kick and somebody else shot it he got out to the three point line when the shot went up he came back to the paint got an offensive rebound and then hit a cutter for a layup so that's the guy the guy that we envisioned of all right you're a three level scorer you're as strong as anybody and you can make plays in the pick and roll game so to us you know He's one of those guys that could do everything. And and when you add the fact that you're rebounding the ball at that rate, what that does for a guy like O'Shea, that Tyus got in there and got a couple rebounds, what that does for guys like Barama and Pascal who are battling these guys uh, to where you can get back to that 12-foot range and, 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 and help on the glass. Um, you know, those those are, are, are the areas like he can be as good as, as he's focused to be in. And if he's... Moving the way that I watched him move in stretches, especially yesterday, I thought he was so good in practice. Um, I, I, you know, it, it reminds me of years ago, Michael Benajay. You know, Michael Benajay was like to the point where you're like, man, I, I hope he he loves he loves basketball, but it, it wasn't that to me. It was that Mike hadn't seen. Um, he hadn't seen success in a while. He went to Duke, didn't work out. His, he had to sit out, and then his first year with us, it didn't work the way he saw it. So you, you go three re- years removed from seeing and envisioning the success that you want. That's deflating a little bit. Um, you know. And then all of a sudden, Mike gets rolling, and you see this guy that's energetic. He's there every night. He's a double-digit guy, scored 10 points or more in every single game we played. I think sometimes it clicks for guys with success. Um, I think with E... He's starting to see what he's fully capable of, and now his focus level has gone up in workouts. Um, it's gone up during practice, um, and it's just taken him, I, I think, to a different level. He's been he's been a, a 100% engaged player over the last month. Yeah, and we, we've definitely seen that in the game on, on Saturday with the 22 points, but the, the thing that I think has struck me the most with him is the consistency. He scored 14 yeah. or more in 12 of 14 games, uh, 15 or more in the last seven. So yeah. that last month that you mentioned, yeah. uh, he scored 15 points a game uh, or more uh, in that span. What allows him to be that consistent and, and be a guy that you can really rely on of, hey, you know what, we, we know we're going to get 15, 16, 18 points out of him each night. Work. He's working. Um, he's working hard. <laughs> he's working really hard. I mean, that's – and he talked about it. You know, he talked about it after the game at Notre Dame. I mean, it's, it's, it's not by accident. It's what we preach. It's what these guys believe. Um, you know, you, you might shoot thousands of shots – leading up to a game to get one or two opportunities. It's just the reality. Um, you, you, you might shoot tens of thousands of shots to take ten. Um, you know, these guys have prepared themselves to when they get an opportunity to try to be ready for it. So um, that that's, from my side of things, that's the greatest It's the greatest high in, in, in our profession is watching the work 
and then seeing the result, um, watching a guy come in every day to see, look how much better he's gotten in his ability to consistently make shots in this area off of this drill. And then all of a sudden you see him go out. You know, I, I said to him in practice last week, he walked by me, I said, I love where you're at. And he knew exactly what I was talking about. He, it didn't mean I love where you're at on the court. It meant I love where you are mentally. You were here, you got a lift in, you spent an hour and 15 minutes before practice with me getting shots, and now you're everywhere on the court. I love where you're at. I love where you're at mentally. And, you know, that's that's a big piece of this. Um, and I do believe, I, I hate to say it, but I do believe academics are a part of it. You know, once once the academic year <laughs> gets over, you know, now guys aren't getting there at 2.30, 3 o'clock, you know, we have for a 4 o'clock practice, you know. So uh, we're, we're huge believers in this time of year and we give that speech to our guys every year you have an opportunity for a couple weeks to be pros that's what you guys want to be that's what you talk about doing be a pro over these next few weeks every day you take care of your body and you get your work in and if you do those things you'll see results and and uh we've been really happy every single one of our guys has put in a lot of a lot of work a lot of effort over these last few weeks it's been a lot of fun to be around yeah you know since you brought that up i i don't know that necessarily that's one of the first things that comes to mind for for fans or or for college basketball fans in general but just you know just give us an idea of of how important or how much more uh guys are are able to be in the gym just considering that they don't have the the class commitment or or the homework or the papers or or whatever it is how much more are they able to do and and how much more work have they done in this time well you think about it from a you know if we're think about it it's a tuesday it's a tuesday and you start class that day at 9 30 and and you go from 9 30 until noon and then you have an hour break and then you have one more class that starts at you know 115 and you get out at 240 well by the time you grab something to eat and get over to the four o'clock practice well now it's 315 you got to get taped and ready so now by the time you're on the court it's 335 340 so you only have 20 minute stretch for you to prepare yourself for for a four o'clock practice you know so uh, the difference is, well, now I have a 2 o'clock practice, and all of a sudden these guys come in at a, at 11 o'clock, and they've lifted from 11 to 12, and then guys are getting treatment from 12 to 12.45, and then all of a sudden guys are getting workouts from 1 to 2. You know, So now by the time you have a 2 o'clock practice, you, you have, you've already had three hours of preparation. These guys have already focused for three hours and put their body, you know, they're loose, they're focused, they're prepared. They're not mentally worn down from being in class, so it's a big advantage. You know, we, you know, we try to take a, a advantage of every single hour. I think that's where great programs have have people behind the scenes um, that no that don't get a lot of recognition, um, that aren't always visible to the common person. You know, and and guys like Kabilis, Brad Pike, um, you know, are uh, Ben Horowitz are. are graduate assistant uh, katie scanlon who who does our academic side um th- they play such a major piece in 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 what we're able to accomplish and uh, how these guys are prepared and um this time of year is 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 no different uh you know ryan cabillas's door is open for individuals i mean you got a group of 17 18 guys and he's 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 doing group workouts he's doing individual workouts i mean i was in there and i worked out with the team the other day. it was awesome music blast and everybody's engaged and you know in the next hour and a half we're all going to have an hour of work in before practice even starts so uh, it's just an exciting time of year for us acc play is hit guys are out of school and they're just working on their games and uh, like i said it's it's a really a joy to be around 
are you getting up and down with them? Are, are you like scrimmaging with them? Like, how's, how's that go? I can't. I can't do that physically oh, okay. anymore. The left <laughs> ankle doesn't allow it. The jumper is always going to be there. The legs is just given. Um, but the the I, I'm at weight room. I'm trying to do gotcha, everything to keep gotcha. the. You know, I know I got four kids, but the dad bot can hold off at least. I'm trying to trying to delay it another decade. Give me 45. And uh, I'll take the dad bod. The, the dad bod. Then. I'll work full head of steam. I'll go right at it. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, let's take a timeout. When we come back, we'll dive into Notre Dame a little bit more. We'll look ahead to Clemson and, and this weekend. And we'll keep it rolling here on the Jerry McNamara Show, live from Tully's on Erie Boulevard and on ESPN Radio. Live from Tully's, this is the Jerry McNamara Show. We are back here at Tully's on Erie Boulevard and on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Join the show, 315-437-7644, or on Twitter, at ESPN Syracuse, at Seth Goldberg 17 as well, to get your questions in. Uh, Jerry, I, I did want to get to that Notre Dame game, and I know that uh, the la- I believe it was the last time we were here. If not, it was the second to last time we were here. Uh, we talked about the offense after that game against Georgetown. You put up 50 points and a half. It seemed like on Saturday your offense was running at a at a higher clip and a higher efficiency than it had been. You get to 37 in the first half, 72 points overall. Where did you see the offense running on Saturday? How, how did you assess that? It moved. I, I, I think the big thing is a couple different areas we wanted to really improve on. Number one was, was pushing pace and playing a little bit faster and uh, you know, we've seen how lethal we could be when we play in the open court. Uh, first and foremost is playing quicker, um, attacking people in transition. And really the second one in the half court is moving it, you know, moving it side to side. And anytime you feel like, all right, it's late in the clock and you have to call that guy up, why don't let's, you know, try to change the sides of the court before we do it, you know. So just utilizing every piece. I think at one, at one, at one under – eight timeout I think in the second half of the Notre Dame game I I turned to Howard Washington and I said we're playing egoless basketball and when you start to play egoless basketball meaning it doesn't matter who's the guy that scores as long as we score um, that's when you become a team and I think I think we we used each other we put the ball in, in the Marek and Elijah cuts back door and we find him um, you know for for a, a backdoor lob pass you know we saw in the pick and roll game when we could hit the fill guy when we hit, hit the roll guy or the pop guy so you know we, we've kind of utilized each other's strengths you know we've hit elijah a couple times on that fill from the corner where he's so good stepping in aggressively and elevating shooting um we've advanced the ball in transition which i think makes a huge difference uh for us um so I, I think it's a number of things. I think it's playing faster and, and, and moving sides of the court. Uh, when we do execute in the half court, of being patient and, and utilizing each other, you know, not just calling a ball screen up and the ball's in one person's hands and the defense is set. We're good in the pick and roll. You're not always going to be great in the pick and roll when it's stagnant. If you're running up to defend it and we're all standing there, it's a little bit easier to get set defensively. But, you know, in the Bonaventure game, I thought we scored, I think it was six points by back cuts and it wasn't even the guy that got a back cut that scored it was because somebody cut it drew two defenders which led to a three um so it's as simple as that i think for us is is sending an extra cutter through and making one or two extra passes and now let's get into what we're really good at and if we do those things we move defenders you know we could be as good as anybody 
Yeah, and, and we saw that a lot on Saturday and in, and in these last three games. And, and you brought up uh, the lob pass that Marek made. And, and these last three games, he's been in the starting lineup. And I'll, I'll use that play uh, to really kind of pinpoint this. But when you have a, a big man who can do that, and make that kind of a lob pass with the touch that it, you know, that that it had. How much different is the offense, and, and how much does it, you know, change what you're able to do in the half court? Well, you can stretch your five men to the perimeter. You can stretch them to the three. Um, and what that does is that elevates defense. And if you're in the proper spots, you maximize your spacing. So um, the fact that he's such a good passer, uh, an improved shooter, a good ball handler. Uh, when you put that at the five, it's kind of you know it's kind of the modern day, uh, but especially in our system where you can get away with it and stretches defensively where he doesn't hurt you because he's good. You know he hurt us a little bit in the Notre Dame game because he just can't make silly fouls. You know it's one thing, you know to to make an aggressive foul when you're, you know in jail as we like to say you have no other choice, um, but you can't go over the back when you have three four fouls. You can't right. do that. You know you have to be. It's, we, we've had the same. Uh, conversation with Pascal over the years. So, but the fact of, of his versatility on the offensive end, that we were looking for a spark. It was nothing against what P was doing. Uh, you know, we just felt like we needed a spark on the offensive end. And, uh, you know, Marek can do those things. We saw in the Ohio State game where he changes the game because he goes off the bounce. First two possessions he gets it, he goes off the dribble. He got fouled on the first one, they didn't call it, and he scores on the second one, he got fouled again, and they didn't call it. I'm still angry about it. So he should have had a couple more free throws. But then he steps out and hits two threes in that game, which changes the, the game. So the ability to pass, the ability to hit the deep shot, the ability to put it on the floor, all those things from the five-man position. When you have the pieces like O'Shea Brissett, Elijah, Tyus, Frank, Jalen now in stretches, you put Buddy in there in stretches to make shots. Um, you know, there's some offensive weapons around a guy that, you know, we've seen one of our sets where we'll elevate the five-man and we'll play through him and set a few down screens and, and play out of that five-man position. Well, what was happening if Pascal's in that situation? They pressure him, and that's uncomfortable for him. It's not a good situation for him to be in. Well, if you pressure Marek, and now we have action on both wings, well, now you have your five-man in the middle of the court with, you know, 12-foot gaps on each side of him. Um, you know, I went back and watched the Bonnies game from last year. And we get Marek at the five. We put him in that, that, that same set. And they pressure him. And what does he do? He sweeps right around the guy. And what does the guy have to do? He has to follow him. Uh, within the first dribble he took, the guy had to follow him because Marek had a, a straight-line drive layup. So uh, his versatility on the offensive end can certainly open up some things and stretches for us. You know, it's funny. You, you mentioned the fouls there, and you mentioned them with, with Elijah earlier. And I, when you said it with Elijah earlier, I was like, I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to bring up the, the fouls on Saturday uh, with Notre Dame. But I, I will ask you this way. Have you, have you been a part of a game? Before Saturday, where you haven't had free throw in, until the last like five minutes of the game, that was remarkable just to watch. What did we say? What was our final five? I think, uh, I think uh, five of six, maybe. Yeah, so yeah, six. I think we. Yeah, so I, I had five in my head. Maybe you might. It's probably six because O'Shea's, I believe, was the only foul that wasn't an intentional foul to put us at the line to try to to swing the game. You know, because they were forced to foul. exactly. They had to foul at the end. They didn't have enough fouls to get you yes, to the line. Correct. So. I've never, you know, they're they're notorious. That's kind of what they're known for is they defend without fouling. Um, I thought Barama's play where he got the the pass from Elijah. He got fouled twice um, on that on that that shot. He got fouled, got his own rebound, got fouled again. They didn't call it. That was that was really I thought the only play in the game that I could be like they're not giving us any calls. <laughs> 
which I've said for years, you know, whether it's true or not. Um, yeah, I, I think every other assistant and head coach in the country is saying the same thing. So, um, but I thought that was the only questionable call of all the calls. They, that's what they do. You know, they they do a good job. They're not going to put you on the line. Uh, they're going to force you to make shots. I think that was really the big key early. Is they, I think they had it in their mind, especially with O'Shea, that they were like, all right, we're just not going to let him get a full head of steam and go downhill on us. We're going to force him to make a few. And when he did, it was like, all right, well. Let's adjust here, and then Elijah hits a few, and and you know the rest is kind of history. So, but that's what that's how they defend. They do a great job of keeping people in front. They're not going to beat themselves, um, w- which also makes it difficult to offensive rebound against them. Kind of like a Virginia, if everything's out in front of you, you're always in good defensive rebounding position. Um, but when you shoot a high percentage, you don't need a lot of offensive rebounds, and that's kind of the case we were in the other night. You mentioned Barama and, and him being now the third center in the rotation. He gave you some really Great. big minutes in that game on on Saturday. What did you see out of him when, when you needed him the most? Well, he gets, you know, the, the play where, where Coach was upset, and rightfully so because we were trying to burn clock, where he goes up, you know, we have the lead. It's a definitive lead. The only thing that that we can do is turn the ball over or give it back to them that can help them. If we get a 30-second shot clock violation, that's fine. It's fine. Well, he goes up, takes a shot he probably shouldn't take. Well, who runs as hard as he can to get down to the other end, and who gets the rebound? But Brahma. Who goes up late in the game to go baseline and makes a block? Who makes a huge charge? So I was just really happy for him because Kip Wellman, our our director of ops, had said to me, he said, uh, I think it was last last week in practice he said Barama's playing harder he's playing harder and I agreed with him I said I I think you're absolutely right Um, Barama was he he had taken his intensity level in practice to a whole new level Um, and I thought that showed I thought it showed the other night he made a handful of big plays in that game for us and um you know, coach at one point in the second half said to him, you know what, this is your chance. I'm rolling with you. Marek's fouled out. This is your chance. And let's, you know, I th- he might have said, this is your chance to make big plays. And he did. He went out and made some big plays for us. He made the big block, like I said. The charge was huge. You know, we've, I know, I know coach, coach Griff has talked a lot about that. You know, when guys, there's a lot of, there's a lot of teams that are going to screen our zone. And when you do that, and you elevate the guard and forward, what you give up occasionally is a straight-line aggressive drive. Well, when you give that up, and all of a sudden that offensive player, it collapses on you a lot faster than you realize. And when that offensive player gets in there, and as he's going, and all of a sudden the guard that he just beat is on his left side, and the forward he just beat is on his right side, he can't go right or left. So he's still going where? He's going straight. So if he's going straight, and all of a sudden the center steps up, and that guy's going full head of steam, it's like the Fab Mello play. Mm-hmm. Fab Mello was great at taking charges by Musicata. Great at taking charges. Well, I know Coach Griff has worked and talked quite a bit over the last few weeks of being, when we give up straight line aggressive drives, a lot of times instead of going up and blocking that shot, these guys are shooting one-legged runners or floaters, and they're going to drift right into you. So... To, to make a play like you've talked about, I know Coach t- Griff has talked about that quite a bit, to step up big in a big moment and to make it, when you know you've talked about it, to make that play in a big, big, 
a big situation on the road is a big-time play. I'm happy for Brown. He made some big plays in that game. And we'll be hearing more from uh, from Coach Griff coming up the at B 8 team. o'clock. The B team. <laughs> Waters. Alex, Coach Griffin with Infanti, Mike Waters tonight. The uh, B squad. Infante out tonight. It's going to be just Griff and Mike Waters uh, over Infanti at Atelier. Infante was always soft. <laughs> I'll let him know. I'm, you know what? I'm going to cut that. Can't uh, win t- on the road, they say about Infante. <laughs> Tommy, pull that. Tommy back in our studio. Cut that up and, and have it for us for tomorrow's show. So we'll we'll uh we'll be passing that along to Steve tomorrow for sure. Let's take a timeout. We'll come back halfway down, halfway to go here on ESPN Radio. Live from Tully's, this is the Jerry McNamara Show. We're back here on ESPN Radio and live at Tully's on Erie Boulevard. Join the show, 315-437-7644. Or on Twitter at ESPN Syracuse at Seth Goldberg seventeen to get some questions in uh, for the coach. Uh, we're here until eight o'clock. Then we've got the Alan Griffin Show with Mike Waters from eight to nine. Uh, we are doing our Papa Shot contest, so we'll pick our winner in the next break, uh, and then we'll do that after the show today. Uh, Jerry, tomorrow night Clemson, Saturday night Georgia Tech here in the Dome. And this is the start of four games at home in a five-game stretch. Curious, how, how how do you look at a stretch like that? Do you place importance on it? Do you do you place an emphasis on, on having to play well at home? How do you look at this as a coaching staff? Well, I think any time you play at home, you, you look at it as, as an advantage, especially one at the Dome. You know, we, we, we look at playing here as an advantage for us. And uh, we feel like regardless of opponent, you feel like you should protect home court. And um, However, you, you don't look at We've never, I think, coach is so good of never looking ahead. You know, I actually I did an interview, a television interview with Steve uh, last week, and, and I told him, I said, I know it sounds cliche, but it really is one game. I mean, we couldn't go to Notre Dame thinking, all right, well, man, we have, you know, top 25 ranked Clemson coming in. Or, you know, you can't play Georgia Tech on Saturday and say, man, can you believe in 48 hours they're going to be going to Cameron and playing Duke? So. Uh, this league is too difficult and the opponents are too quality for you to go into any game unprepared you know whether it be from a schematic standpoint or from a mental standpoint so you know we don't look you know I I don't go and look at the schedule and say you know this stretch is you know I look at the the home stretch all right you know like you said we have a a home stand here all right majority of our games over this five-year stretch or over this five-game stretch is is going to be at home so um you know, let's see if we can take care of this business. But I think, I think what they're, you know, we've talked quite a bit tonight about the focus level that I think our group has had over the last few weeks. And um, our third unit, the walk-ons, um, those kids, those kids have been really focused. And one of the things that they're able to do is put in the offensive game plan for who we're going to play. And and they've done a really good job of executing what we put in for them to run. Um, you know, for instance, for the Bonaventure game, all my stuff. I met with those guys an hour and a half before one of the practices and said, all right, these are the four sets I'm going to give you today. This is what we're going to run today. And bam, they were on it. From the time that we hit groups, they ran every play. They had their own play calls for them. <laughs> um, you know, Notre Dame uh, was Griff. You know, Griff, same thing. You got those guys. This is what we're doing today, guys. And bam, they were on it. You know, red for Clemson. They were on it. So, um, you know, the the one thing you can do as a coach is is 
put every ounce of effort into your scout uh, to try to do as much as you can to feel like going in. Uh, we're prepared. I feel like we're pre- prepared. They're not going to do anything, I don't think, that I haven't seen. Or if they do do something that we haven't seen, this is what I think they're going to do. Um, it's a great feeling uh, because you've done your homework and you feel like you've given your guys the best shot to not be surprised. Um, you know, everything other than that is on them. You know, you can't make shots for them. Um you know, but you can help them understand of where they try to get the ball, who their best players are, how, what their best players like to do. Um, and and those are the things that we try to focus on. And that stuff has to be by game. You can't, you know, you, you just can't afford to look past any individual opponent because they're just too quality. They're too good at teams. You know, you brought something up there, and it, and it made me think of this. But you, you're in the ACC schedule now. Um, obviously, you've been around here for a little while. Red's been around here for a little while. Coach Beheim's been around here. Griff, his second year, yeah. but he's been around in, in college basketball. Uh, you know, Mike Bray's been at Notre Dame for a long time. Danny Manning's now been at Wake Forest for, for what, five, six years yeah. at, at this point. Um, for the, you know, Roy Williams, Coach K, go on down the list, Jim Laranaga, Leonard Hamilton. It's guys who have been here. D- does that help the familiarity where you can at least go and say, uh, all right, I'm going to sit down and watch Duke tonight, but for the most part I know the offensive set, or I can sit down and watch Florida State, and I know what to expect going into that? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. The one thing that we've tried to do is we tried to recycle. You know, for instance, I have both of these guys. You know, we're, we're sitting here talking on the radio, but we're right up on the TV is Duke and Wake, and I have both of these scouts. Um, had, I've had both of these scouts for a while, so uh, very familiar with both opponents. Now, the one thing that the opponents do every year is they change personnel. Um, and as Zion Williamson hits a three. so um, It looks different with Zion running something right, than it does correct. with That's what, what I was year. alluding to. Uh, you know, spot on. So, um, you know, it's, I don't know if you've heard the term, it's not the X's and the O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's, you know. So it plays a big factor into, into you, you know, your scout, your opponent, what they do, what they can afford to do with that particular personnel. So, um the majority of the stuff and the sets and the looks that you're going to see and the initial stuff is is pretty definable and very familiar. Um, but when a missed shot goes up and somebody jumps over your back and <laughs> reels in a one-handed catch like we saw last night in the Clemson game and Tomahawks won, well, maybe they didn't have a guy that could do that last year. So that's where the, the, you know, it changes the most of, of you know the personnel goes. But... Um, it's been so cool to kind of, for me, as, as someone who wants to do this, you know, wants to be a head coach and uh, to get a chance to learn and watch and be familiar with so many different guys that have had success to see what they've done and how they've done it. Um, it's such a great learning thing for an assistant to see all these different philosophies. And uh, there's a lot of results that get you get to the result in a different way. So it's been great for me to, to watch some of these guys. And, uh, you know, you're always learning. You're always taking something. And, Uh, Getting a chance to scout teams like Duke and and Wake and Miami and some of the things that they run. I've had the Kansas scout in the past, some of the things that you'll see a Bill Self team run. I I love his base OB stuff. Uh, I probably shouldn't have put that out there for any (laughs) young coaches out there. He he runs some great baseline out-of-bounds stuff. and um, You're you're, you're constantly learning and and, and trying to evolve and, and grow as much as you can. Yeah, uh, I, I remember hearing a story. I want to say it was uh, it was Brad Stevens said that 
you know, he there's a story about him going up to Fred Hoiberg and saying, hey, I really like that, that baseline play. Uh, we call it Cyclone because we just took it from you guys. Yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, I took it from this guy. Yep. Like, everybody just yep. steals everything. And it's the, it's the same trend in football. You know, you yeah. see these guys in football and some even the pro sets. You know, some of those guys are taking the college sets from, I don't know, I don't know a set from me or right, the table right. with football. <laughs> but, um, you know, just from what I hear, it's the same thing. You know, it's a copycat league, but... You know, it's not copycat if it's if it's productive. You know, and um, obviously you got to put your own spin on things and personalities and how you handle them as a head coach are huge. What your personality is, how you get the best out of your guys. But um, there's so many great coaches out there that it's a shame not to acknowledge and, and appreciate what certain guys uh, have done with their profession. Let's take a timeout. We will pick our winner for our Papa Shot contest in the break. When we come back, we'll do a little Clemson and wrap things up here at Tully's on Erie Boulevard and on ESPN Radio. Live from Tully's, this is the Jerry McNamara Show. Back here on ESPN Radio, live at Tully's on Erie Boulevard. We've got a couple more minutes with you here on the Jerry McNamara Show. We do have our winner for the Papa Shot contest, uh, Natalie Corbin. So, Natalie, come on over to our table. We'll play Papa Shot uh, as soon as we are done here. We've got some SU basketball tickets, uh, a basketball that Jerry's going to sign. So we got a whole bunch uh, going on here uh, for Natalie and the Papa Shot contest. We'll get to that in just a couple minutes once we are off the air. Uh, but, Jerry, I do want to wrap up with this Clemson game tomorrow night. Uh, you mentioned the, the Tigers, a top 25 team. A, a good team coming in here to the Dome. Uh, what's your scouting report? What's your read on the Tigers this year? Reed. <laughs> Number two, uh, Marquise Reed, uh, who missed quite a few games. I think he missed three three total, but he's back and healthy. You know, I think if you watched that, that first half of their Duke game the other night, kind of snowballed them on him uh, uh, quick, but they were right there. I mean, there was a few. If if they hadn't turned the ball over in the first half of Duke, I thought they had control. They they controlled pace. They did a good job, and the scary thing about a Duke team is they, they can snowball on you quick, and it did. And uh, it's no indication of what this team is capable of. This team is really good. We believe that uh, Reed hit five threes on us last year, can stretch you from four or five, six feet behind the three-point line. The big thing is... You know, we saw that against Notre Dame is that they could stretch on the perimeter. I think the one difference tonight than we'll f- that we faced the other night is they have a physical, imposing big man in Elijah Thomas. And um, Elijah's one of those guys that's constantly trying to carve out space. He's always seeking a body, trying to carve you out, get deep position. And if he gets deep position, he's so physical and strong, he can finish great around the basket. So um, he's ambidex- ambidextrous as well. You know, he can finish with both hands and um, tough kid. So... Uh, when, when you play them, you know you're going gri- to get a great defensive unit. Um, so like we talked about earlier, the ball needs to move a little bit, and you need to get into a two or three extra ones before you get into the action that you're looking for. So um, I think we have to be patient with them. We have to do a great job defensively. And, um, you know, if, if we locate Reed on the perimeter, guys like Shelton Mitchell, uh, the kid Scara for them is a great defender. Uh, but he could also step out and knock down shots. The pick-and-pop guy, Sims, can can step out and stretch you a little bit as well. So um, they're complete. They have all the pieces, um, as do we, we think. So, um, you know, it boils down to a lot of execution, uh, like like we talked about this week as far as, you know, us going through the orange team, you know, the scout team. And uh, we understand that some of the things are going to run. Obviously, Brad Brunell is a great coach, and he's going to have a few wrinkles in his, his game plan as well. But... You know, if we blow up the initial actions that we think and we force them into later scenarios, late clock scenarios, and we get up and keep guys in front of us, 
uh, we feel like you know we have the winning formula against anybody you know regardless of who we're playing we feel like if we do those things we'll put ourselves in a good position and um, you know, no, no different tomorrow night. You know, we, we got to come, come back, and obviously, we're excited about starting this thing one and zero in conference play and getting back in, in the right direction. And uh, we have a great opportunity. This league gives you a lot of great opportunities to play some good teams, and um, tomorrow night's one of those opportunities. Yeah, you mentioned those opportunities, and, and when we had uh, Red on, on on Monday on Orange Nation, he said that you know last year you got them late, you got that win, and and he said. That was probably a big piece of your resume yeah. going into Selection Sunday. So, you know, that Notre Dame game on the road, this game against uh, uh, Clemson, you know, and, and moving forward, there's a lot of opportunities yeah. here to get good caliber quality wins because this conference is so strong. It's so good. I mean, it, it really is. It's so good. And uh, top to bottom, you know, it reminds me when, when we were leaving the Big East and, and you're talking about I think Connecticut had won the national championship that year as the nine seed, the nine seed and and in our conference tournament play we make a final four in 2016 as the nine seed uh, that's what this league has become it's become that you know the top 10 teams in this league can beat anybody on any given night now obviously virginia has been head and shoulders as far as consistency in the league um they've been the best i mean it's hands down um you know but the dukes carolinas i mean you got to go in into some of these environments florida state um this league is so competitive and uh, you just again that's why you don't that's why you don't look ahead you know we're going to go every single night we're going to we're going to take it one game at a time and uh, tomorrow night's Clemson I believe at eight o'clock it is a little bit later than normal so uh, we're looking forward to it we know we got a good team coming in here other than the obvious it's it's an hour later does that change anything it changes the game the the, the pregame meal <laughs> instead of two thirty we're going to have it at three thirty um, you know no it doesn't you know especially now I think the good thing is now with not being in class, these guys will have a chance to, to sleep in a little bit tomorrow, get their rest. One thing that we don't do is shoot around on the road. I love that. I love that as a player. I love the fact that, you know, we, we practice at home. We don't even practice at the opposing team's arena. We practice here and then leave. We get there, we have dinner, and everybody just goes to bed. You wake up in the morning, sleep in, we go to breakfast, and then you have the rest of the day to relax and stay off your feet. And we go to the arena and we play the game. Um, you know, so it'll be a lot like that tomorrow. We'll have a chance to wake up a little bit later, have breakfast, and, and you know, stay off your feet and, and go in and play this game. Yeah, and, and it should be a very good one uh, in the Dome. Uh, we got a couple of tickets to it for uh, for our Papa Shot winners, so we'll uh, we'll get to that coming up just in a couple of minutes here at Tully's. Uh, Jerry, thanks again for, for stopping by for another week. I know we'll talk to you tomorrow on Orange Nation, and uh, good luck tomorrow Sounds night. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, so the Jerry McNamara Show here on ESPN Radio is in the books. We've got the Alan Griffin Show coming up live from Attilio's on James. That's coming up in just a couple of minutes. Mike Waters with Coach Griffin tonight uh, to take you through from 8 to 9, so another hour of SU Basketball Talk. Be sure to be sure to join in the conversation on uh, on the phones, 315-437-7644, and you can get on Twitter as well, at ESPN Syracuse, and I'm sure you can get to Mike uh, as well on Twitter, at Mike Waters, S-Y-R. So check out the Alan Griffin Show tonight. Don't forget, we'll be back tomorrow getting you ready for SU and Clemson all day long. The Alan Griffin Show is next here on ESPN Radio.